0: I feel like there there wasn't really like a specific turning point. It was more so, um, like I said, like I went through a lot of dark, 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 dark <laughs> periods in my life. And I think it was deciding what would make me happy and not letting something external be the deciding factor for that. And... I think that's what was my turning point, was having enough of that. Like, no more. No more crying.
1: (laughs) Hey, friends. Welcome to another episode of the Creator Maker Life podcast. And I am your host, Roxine Key. In this podcast, it is my job to tell the stories of the people who tell our favorite stories online. I interview your favorite online creators, influencers, and brands to figure out why they do what they do and how they do what they do. And it is my hope that out of these interviews, you'll learn strategies and principles that will help you improve your own life and work. In this episode, I talked to Romina, read Romina on the YouTubes, and she is an actress, a published author. An online content creator and a world explorer. We'll get into all of that in the interview, but some highlights. She has worked on films such as Horrible Bosses 2, The Insomniac, and Wild Child. She has also joined the cast of various TV series like Jonas with the Jonas brothers, of course, and Saving Grace. Her passion for film has led her to start her own production company and to work with brands such as Toyota, Coca Cola, Honda. In the San Diego Comic Con. So, Romina, she vlogs and live streams every week on her YouTube channel. She also co hosts a podcast with other professional filmmakers called The Cool Kids Table. So, in this podcast interview, we go into all of this, we go into a story. How did she become a published author when she was 15, 16 years old? How did she start out as a YouTube content creator when the platform was just in its infancy? And how does she balance all of that with her acting career as well? And how does she keep everything in perspective? Um, Romina is a very focused person and she's someone who has the unique ability of actually saying no to things she doesn't want to do. And I really admire her for that. And I think from this interview, you'll see how thoughtful she is about her life, about where she's going, about the projects she takes on and the projects she doesn't take on. I first heard about Romina um, when I was asking a few folks in the No Small Creator Facebook group about some people or creators that people should definitely check out, that people should definitely know about more and who is pretty much undervalued. And Romina is one of those... People. She brings a lot of energy. She brings a lot of insight and thought into this interview. And I'm really looking forward for you to you guys um, to listen to this. And without further ado, here is my interview with Romina. Hey, Romina. Hello. How are you doing?
0: Pretty good. How are you doing?
1: I'm good as well. And thank you for saying yes to getting on the podcast absolutely (laughs) so why don't you start us and um our listeners off uh by talking more about where did your youtube channel name or just the name you go by on your website red romina come from
0: well first of all romina is my name uh funny enough a lot of people think that red is actually my first name (laughs) i don't know but uh yeah my favorite color is red um So it's really not that complicated. (laughs) There's really not, like, more of a story. I wish that there was. People ask me all the time, and I'm just like, no, Red, I just, you know, Red, Romina, just sounds good, Plus, it was my gamer tag for a couple years, so it was, like, a thing that already existed, Mm -hmm. um, and then I just made it my main thing. (laughs) So what games were you into back then? Um... Well, I love classic arcade type games. So mm-hmm. I'm a, I'm a Tetris champion. Like no oh, joke.
1: Okay, You do wow. not want
0: to play Tetris against me because I'm quick.
1: I, but, I suck at Tetris, so oh, I'm not going to compete with you on that. Don't no. worry.
0: No, <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm more of a Pokemon person.
0: <laughs> oh man, Pokemon's great too. Um, but I like uh, I like first person shooters too, like role playing type games. Counter as well. Strike. Yeah, I'm more of a battlefield
1: person. Okay, got it. Uh, we, can, we can be friends. We can be friends. Just so, just for admitting that. So, um I really want to dive deep into how you started doing what you're doing. Um, Like something that's super cool about you is that you actually wrote a book when you were was it when you were 15. You actually published a book when you were 15, and was that what kickstarted your career? Well,
0: I think what kickstarted my career was when I was a little girl and I liked to play with cameras. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And I guess that kickstarted my career, but I didn't actually know what I wanted to do for a long time. I was doing this whole, um, like, I guess I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Um, and I thought for a long time that I wanted to be a cinematographer just because I liked, uh, cameras. Mm -hmm. And, uh, then I took my first acting class when I was like in eighth grade. Um, and then I realized that I liked playing characters and pretending to be other people that were not me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, uh, and then, um, eventually YouTube came along and suddenly I found myself behind the camera once again. Um, and, now it's like, what do you do? I don't know. What don't I do? (laughs) Um, But yeah, I mean, the book was an interesting thing because it's something that I don't really talk about as much Mm -hmm. just because I don't know. It just like happened in my life. (laughs) But it's uh, like to me, writing was just another part of me was just another part of like another way for me to breathe, you know, Mm. and I was writing poetry – I guess I started like when I was 11 maybe, 11 or 12. So most of the poems in that book are from the ages of like 11 to maybe like 15 Mm -hmm. Um, because the book was officially published when I was 16. Um, So I'm guessing that maybe like I stopped writing stuff like around 15 for that book specifically. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you want to get into the – uh, preteen mind of Red <laughs> Um Don't harsh. Don't 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 judge me too hard. <laughs> uh, but you know, I was doing my best. I was I was very emo, and what can you do? Um, but it it's definitely like uh, it it was definitely a part of me, and um, and I think that it has definitely shaped me to be like the person that I am now. Where um, you know putting yourself out there at 16 and like sharing all Mm. the stuff that you were thinking about when you were like 13 and 14 is kind of crazy. And it's like, it's a, it's a huge risk. Mm. And, um, especially because I never found that I was someone who like easily fit in with groups of people. Like it was always kind of hard for me to make friends and like, you know, I was always second-guessing myself around people because it always felt like I was, I mean, I wasn't an outcast and I had a lot of friends. I, was, I had a very, like, happy childhood, but I always kind of felt like I didn't really belong. Mm-hmm. And I think that, like, coming out with, like, that book and stuff like that, that definitely helped me to kind of just be like, oh, you know what, like, I can just be in this bubble of you know Romina and Romina's thoughts and I can have friends and maybe they don't quite understand me and that's okay Mm -hmm. um and eventually I found you know my group of people who do
1: understand me I mean Mm -hmm. it took a while but (laughs) it took a while and and Like you seem very confident now, like you do motivational speaking, you're in front of the camera a lot. You spoke at 368 and you just have this fun brand. But was this always the case that you were kind of confident and like pretty self-assured?
0: I think so. I mean, I think now I'm I think the only difference now is that I'm I'm more extroverted with it. Mm -hmm. But I think that even when I was, you know, when I was insecure about like, you know, having lack of friends or things like that, I feel like that's something that everybody goes through. But I kind of like, I didn't really see it as like a, oh, there's something wrong with me kind Mm -hmm. of syndrome. You know, for me, it was just like, like, why isn't everybody else like me? (laughs) It wasn't like, why am I not like everybody else? Mm. And uh, so I guess I've always kind of like been confident, but it's not really so much. I guess I never really thought about it because for me, it was more like, oh, I'm just being I'm just into the things that I'm into. Like, I'm just in my own world. And Mm -hmm. You're either a part of it or you're not.
1: (laughs) Was there something in your upbringing that kind of helped with that? Because I know some people, they're not as confident, maybe because they weren't told that they were good enough at home or their parents really never supported them. Like, do you think there was part of your childhood that brought that out in you from the very beginning?
0: It's absolutely possible because I'm an only child and my parents are extremely supportive. My dad is also an artist and mm, he's helps. very much in his own world, like twenty four seven. and i think I think that in part, I, like I just kind of grew up knowing that it was okay to be myself. And I think part of that is because of the fact that my mom, because like or because of her generation, like she was brought up in a completely different way, where it was like, you only had, you know, three or four career options. Mm -hmm. It was, you know, you had to be like a doctor or a lawyer. (laughs) Like, that was it. Um, And so for her, it was – she never really got to express herself creatively and, like, go down a career path that she wanted to do at the start. Mm -hmm. Um, She eventually did do that. But, you know, it's not the same as, like, jumping into – when you're 18 years old and – doing what you love to do um you know as opposed to starting it in your 40s or your 50s it's like a very different you know ball game Mm -hmm, um but i think i think that in part because of the fact that she had that upbringing she did bring me up to uh focus on working on my passion and you know
1: doing something that I love to do and making that my career. Mm-hmm. So tell me about the first time you were behind the camera when you kind of realized that this was something you wanted to do for a long time.
0: Um, I guess when I – I'm going to rephrase that. <laughs> I was first behind the camera – I would say before I was even 10 years old, Mm -hmm. I did always like to play with the cameras. Uh, My mom, who is very like, she is a control freak. So for her, it was like, no, you're not touching like what you're like six years old. You're not going to touch my (laughs) expensive camera. What is this? And of course, my dad who was always an artist and he was a cameraman for a long time so like i grew up like around this technology Mm -hmm. um and so for my dad it was always like what just let her play with the camera like what's what's the big deal you know Mm -hmm. and uh and i guess for me it was like always this special moment when i got to hold the camera (laughs) Mm -hmm. because uh because it was like it was special you know it wasn't just like a um, like an inanimate object that was just you know given to me. Obviously, I had to take care of it, you know, and because mm-hmm. I had to take care of it, it was it was always really special whenever I got to hold it. And um, and I guess like I used to, my mom used to buy me like the disposable cameras and stuff, mm-hmm.
1: like so I get to. Or <laughs> you had to kind of uh, was it a film camera?
0: Yeah, it was a film <laughs> camera. So I had to wait for like weeks until like my mom finally decided to like develop it and like all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Yeah, I mean, cause she had, she had a Minolta camera, which is like a really nice camera and mm. no way was I going to be able to touch that like ever in my life. I don't think I ever did. <laughs> so, so for me, um, and because my dad, he was always filming stuff. He had, uh, different camcorders. So I have a ton of pictures of me as a kid holding this gigantic camcorder, mm-hmm. which is bigger than my face. And Uh, and I guess like the first thing that I did was I created a commercial and I think it might've been for some kind of art project or something. Um, I don't really remember, but I know that I wanted to create a commercial for dog food. So at the time I had a dog um, and, and, uh i got this like can of beans or whatever and then like i made my own cover for it and i put it around the can of, uh-huh. <laughs> like, the can of like human food <laughs> and it was like called something like kibbles i don't know what like i made some stupid name and then uh I made the commercial and like I and it was so hard to get my dog to come to the <laughs> to the food like the commercials like dog food commercials just make it look so good and like they natural do. and stuff but it was so hard to make my dog who is not trained and was like freaking lazy to come <laughs> like in a natural, like fun way, like, ooh, like kibbles, woohoo. Like it was so hard. But um but yeah, I was in the commercial as well. Um so I had like lines like like, Oh, if you want your dog to be happy, blah blah blah. I mean it was ridiculous, <laughs> but it's somewhere on the internet in and privated, this is of course. Before you were ten. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I guess that's the first time I was like uh, filming stuff. But mm-hmm. uh, I used to bring a camera to to my school actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, to uh, just this was already later in in high school because there wasn't really like smaller cameras that could do that kind of thing before that. Um, and I used to take a camera to school, and I would film stuff like just me hanging out with friends and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so this is like. I was vlogging before vlogging was a term. (laughs) Before Casey Neistat. (laughs) Yeah. um, But there was no place to post those things. Fortunately, I don't know if I would be happy. (laughs) Like if I got older and I was like, oh, man, what? I put that on the internet? What was I thinking? (laughs) Uh, So I am a little bit grateful that YouTube came – Later, later in my life when I reached,
1: you know, a point of maturity. <laughs> <laughs> so after high school, um, how did kind of filmmaking and videography like fall into your life? Like what was the place that they had in your life after high school?
0: Let's see. Well, I guess at that point I had decided to uh, focus on acting. Mm-hmm. And so I was doing acting. For a while, but even like right after I started doing acting professionally, I got I got opportunities to do production work. Mm -hmm. So I quickly set up a production company, and I started producing stuff without even knowing, you know, what I was doing. Half of the time, Mm -hmm. I made so many mistakes, and I probably burned a lot of bridges. But I learned very quickly <laughs> you do. how to make a movie. And, and I mean, during the same time, uh, YouTube was founded. So I kind of saw, uh, you know, YouTube, this, this industry, start from nothing um, while I was working on acting, which was this, you know, Powerhouse of an industry Mm -hmm. um, to kind of changing into this whole other beast right now. Um, So, just in the past decade of mainstream media and digital media, there have been so many changes. And I've had the pleasure of being able to see those changes um, firsthand. And I guess that's kind of where I started the whole. Um, filmmaking thing. It just kind of fell in my lap, but I think mm-hmm. it didn't fall in my lap. It was always like a part of my life. So, yeah, So
1: you mentioned that there were a lot of changes that happened um, between the acting world and the like YouTube when YouTube happened. Um, could you give me an example of that during those years? Sure. I mean, there's
0: a lot of examples, but <laughs> uh, I guess I guess one of the biggest ones is. When I started to post stuff on YouTube, nobody knew what that was. I was like – I was like the weird kid who was on the internet all of the time. I mean I wasn't a kid, so <laughs> I was like the weird <laughs> adult kid <laughs> that was on the – that was spending way visionary. too much time.
1: You're a visionary. I
0: Well, you know, I mean if you want to use that euphemism, you can. but <laughs> I wouldn't quite say that. Um uh, But, you know – there there was like this time where youtube was just not it was just not existent you know for people and i was creating stuff on this website and i was making friends on the internet and it was this weird time where people were still i mean i grew up when i grew up with the internet it was like if you were talking to someone you didn't know in real life on the internet you were you were basically like asking to be kidnapped like mm. it was like it was bad you were not allowed to do that like even just like doing what we are doing right now, where you just like randomly messaged me <laughs> and you're like, hey, about that. <laughs> hey, let's like, let's have a phone call and let me record your conversation. Like that, was, that was not so existent. Sketchy. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, and uh, so to kind of evolve into this place where we just are able to communicate with anyone in the world and have a relationship and from one minute to the next you can go from not knowing to someone to Mm -hmm. uh going to go pick them up at their house to go hang out somewhere Mm -hmm. like that's you know we've completely like cut off like this middle point of getting to know people because we get to know them on social media and so when we meet Mm -hmm. in real life it's like oh i already know you you know Mm -hmm. Um, And as far as acting, there's so much that has changed uh, just, you know, with TV and film, especially with the whole process of how, how it gets made, um, how actors are chosen. So there, before there was like this process where you had to go into a room and you would give someone a printed headshot, mm-hmm. a photo of yourself, and then... Um, you would, you know, do the audition, and then they would say, "Okay, thank you very much," and then you would leave. Mm-hmm. And now, what happened? What is happening now is that there's a lot of self taping. So actors are taping themselves for auditions. So basically, uh, casting directors, producers, like they don't need to, they don't need to rent out a room anymore. And, you know, call a hundred actors to come to them, like physically, Mm -hmm. they can just get thousands of actors from all over the world sending them a tape. Mm -hmm. So it's become a totally different um, industry in that regard. And and as far as, you know, being an actor, there's so many challenges as far as, you know, now you don't only have to worry about being vulnerable and being in character and like Mm -hmm. focusing on your scene. Now you have to think about where you're going to put the camera, like whether you got the framing right, Mm -hmm. making sure that you followed all the guidelines for the audition. And it's like all of these extra steps. So we went from, you know, going to a place, doing an audition for 30 seconds or for three minutes and then leaving it
1: Mm -hmm. to
0: having to work on your own little mini production every time that you want to, you know, even just read a line for a commercial. Mm hmm. Um, so it's very interesting uh, especially just just from my standpoint because of the fact that i was already doing that with my youtube channel mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's just kind of funny how the youtube channel kind of prepped me to be ready for this industry to change like this mm-hmm. so that there's so you know so many actors who just They have no idea, like, how to turn on the camera or, like, where to put a camera or how Mm -hmm. to, you know, direct themselves. But because I'm basically directing myself every time that I do a YouTube video, like, when I mess up a line, I know I have to start over again and I know that I have to – like, I can hear – I can see the video Mm -hmm. while I'm talking, but – you know, when you're acting, it's so much different because you have to be so vulnerable and have to be so open. And it's like mm-hmm. you just have to be there and be the character, you know, mm-hmm. and you've got like 30, 50 people who are supposed to be in charge of everything else. But now you're kind of in charge of it. Um, and if you don't do a good job, somebody
1: else will. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like it, the barrier to entry to acting has now increased And that demands a lot more from the people who are submitting their tapes. Um, But at the same time, like when an actor walks into the set, it almost seems like they're a lot more skilled than people in the past because they actually have a big-picture idea of what's happening all around them. Yeah, exactly. So like when, let's say, you're filming a YouTube video or you're filming a tape and you're going to submit it to a casting director, um, what does the internal kind of conversation in your head sound like like when you're setting the, up the camera um, and practicing your lines like what does that sound like
0: specifically for acting or just like in general when i have to put myself actually on I'm, video? I'm
1: curious to know is it like a similar debate or is it different because now like the acting world and youtube it's like converging um just wanted to see if it's a similar thing in your head i think
0: It depends on what the scene is. So for acting, I guess it's more I'm really focused on actually delivering a good job as far as acting. Mm. So I'm not really focused as much on the camera, Um, just making sure that everything follows the guidelines for what they want for the audition. Mm-hmm. Cause sometimes they're very specific about stuff like, Oh, we only want you from like the chest to the top of your head. And then we want you to zoom out so that we see your whole body. Like, you know, they do weird stuff like that. Okay. Um, but when I'm doing that kind of thing, I'm focused more on, uh, you know, thinking about my lines, making sure that I have all the beats down, And if I have to cry, then, you know, like kind of getting into that mood. But for YouTube, it's a little bit different because I'm thinking more about – on YouTube, it's, you know, I'm putting myself out there. Mm -hmm. And so it's – I sometimes I have to kind of – think about how I'm putting myself out there and how I want to be portrayed Mm -hmm. um, and still remain genuine. Mm -hmm. Um, So because I don't want to come off as like a host or like I have a script, there's this very like different monologue that happens uh, because, you know, when I make a YouTube video, like I just want to be myself and I just want to, you know, I just want to express myself, but if it's something where I'm giving some kind of information or something like that, where I have, where it's very script driven, Mm -hmm. then there's also this need to make sure that I'm doing it as natural as possible. And I don't come off as like a host Mm -hmm. (laughs) and, and then on top of that, I want to make sure that the lighting is good and that, you know, everything is like in working order. And then while I'm doing that, I have to, you know, I live right next to a train. Oh, gosh. Train track. (laughs) So and the thing is that it's like a freight train. So oh, God. it's not like there's a specific schedule. So I can't mm-hmm. be like, oh, at like 1 p.m. every day, there's a train that passes by. <laughs> Can you guys just not pass by here at like 2 p.m.? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just like it happens like randomly. Like sometimes it's at 2 o'clock in the morning. Sometimes it's not, you know. So there's no way to plan around it. Yeah, And then if there's like helicopters or sirens. And so it's like, it, you know, whenever you start to film, it's like suddenly, suddenly every noise that's possible just appears. It does. You know? So I guess that's something else that's like, you know, while I'm filming, it's, that's something that I have to worry about. Whereas in the acting stuff, I don't, unless it's completely distracting, mm-hmm. I don't really worry about it too much because it's not something that's going to end up somewhere where, you know, thousands or potentially millions of people will watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more just like a job interview, you know, where it's like, well, as long as they can hear me and it's not distracting from the singing, then... Then I won't stop acting, you know? Whereas if, you know, I'm doing a YouTube video and suddenly the train passes and I'm like, oh my God, Dang, i no filming. What are you doing? <laughs> and I get mad. Like, I have so many clips of just me just like getting mad and just like asking the universe why. <laughs> <laughs> So I guess that there's a lot of anger that goes into. It. <laughs>
1: yeah, YouTube is more anger and kind of acting yeah. is just more focused and chill. <laughs> y-
0: yeah, I mean, you know.
1: <laughs> so could you tell me about like the f- your favorite role that you've landed so far?
0: That's tough cuz I feel like every every role has been so different. Um Yeah, I don't know. I feel like everything is kind of everything's kind of different. Although I have to say that I've had the misfortune and the fortune of being typecasted. So if you take a look at my resume, I am officially a receptionist Mm -hmm. Um, for some reason or another. Maybe it's my type a personality. People just think that I would make a very great secretary. I don't know. (laughs) I mean, I'd rather be the boss, but whatever. (laughs) And fun fact, I have never been a secretary ever in my life. (laughs) Interesting. (laughs) Uh, So I have no idea what that is actually like aside from, I don't know, being in front of the computer. Like I have no idea. I have Mm -hmm. no idea. Um, But yeah, it's one of those funny things. Like even movies that I have produced – um i've ended up playing the secretary and i'm just like okay like that's just that's my life like if you go if you go to my reel i actually made it like a joke because if you go to my reel on my website yeah i actually started off my reel with um with uh horrible bosses too they (laughs) phone the secretary and they're like what who is this and they're like oh it's a secretary (laughs) it's like my face (laughs) so yeah i'm embracing it i'm like you know whatever i mean as long as i get a series regular Mm -hmm. as a secretary then i can't really complain right like Mm. if like if I'm suddenly like Pam from The Office,
1: like the product, right? <laughs> she's a, she's the most awesome secretary in all of TV history.
0: <laughs> I mean, really, you re- you really can't really call her like a secretary. She's just like boss all over.
1: <laughs> she is. She she's a good uh, role model. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> So you mentioned um, you have more of a type A, more extroverted personality. Like when you meet other YouTubers and other um, actors, actresses, like is that kind of a pattern in the industry? Um, Or do you find that there's like actually people who are more introverted than what they seem on camera?
0: No, I don't think so. I feel like, so I think that I'm, it's weird because I'm pretty introverted in the fact that I'm very private. I don't like people to know like what I'm doing half of the time. Mm-hmm. I usually like, if people text me, I don't respond within like three or five days. Like I just, <laughs> I'm just not interested. <laughs> That's me too. Um, but, but I still, I, there's just still a part of me that just loves to express myself as well. Mm. So I'm not really sure. I mean, I've taken those, you know, those personality tests, the, uh, like the Myers Briggs yeah. and all that stuff. And I've, every time that I take it, I get different letters. It's like, I'm, <laughs> I'm so inconsistent. There's just no, I, I have no idea what I am. So, um, what can I say? I, I don't, I feel like you know, there's so many different characters and and different complexities to, you know, the human personality. It's just, it's kind of impossible to just throw everybody into, into one category, I would say.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, you mentioned that you're an introvert, but you're on YouTube and you also want to do motivational speaking a lot more. Like, how did you kind of, how do you kind of walk that line? How do you decide that you want to be in front of all these people, but kind of still want to keep a part of your life or most of your life kind of private and just quiet?
0: Yeah, that is a good question. I guess, uh, I guess I'm crazy. I don't know. (laughs) We all are. (laughs) Uh, But in all seriousness, I think it's, so uh, I think at first it was because at first I just wanted to be different characters, you know. I fell in love with the idea of like, wow, I can be I can be a wizard. Like I can be anything I want to be. Mm-hmm. Like I can be an astronaut without having to go to astronaut school.
1: What? <laughs> astronaut school for sure. <laughs> it was great.
0: Um, but I think I think at the end, like I came up with I came up with a purpose for myself a few years ago. And It has been something that has driven everything that I do. Um, And I think that it's something that will continue to drive me um, for the rest of my life. And that purpose is to tell stories that inspire people to make Mm -hmm. an impact in the future. Mm -hmm. So while I may not go to astronaut school, (laughs) Mm Uh, I would like to tell stories that inspire people to do so. Mm. And I'm not an engineer, but I love robots. And I love the idea of technology and integrating that into our everyday lives in a way that can help humans to uh, live more simply, I guess, mm-hmm. which is interesting to think like, oh, we're adding more stuff to live more simply, but yeah. we can get into that in another, in another, in another day, another, <laughs> another day. But, oh. uh, <laughs> uh But, uh, I guess, to, but uh, to kind of put my point across is, um, I'm not an engineer, but I could tell a story that might inspire someone like Elon Musk, you know, to create something, mm-hmm. um, and I just said Elon Musk he is whatever, but because he's he's, he's you know, just the whatever, we're prototypical. Relatable. This is this is trendy, so we, we're gonna put hashtag Elon Musk. We're gonna be relatable in the description of this podcast so that people can find it, um, even though we only mentioned him in one sentence. Yeah, we're,
1: we're gonna get all the engineers listening to this.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: And I think you know, I
0: think at the end of the day. I get inspired by these things. You know, mm-hmm. when I read these stories, when I watch, you know, when I watch Star Trek for example, I get really inspired. And when mm-hmm. I read, you know, sci-fi novels, I get inspired because I think about the world and I think about how we can be as a society and I think about, you know, robots and I think about, wow, it's so cool, like maybe I don't have to do my laundry one day, like something, <laughs> you know, some robot can do it for me. And but it's not something that like I don't necessarily have the desire to make those things tangible myself Mm -hmm. like i'm not in there and i was on my robotics team when i was in high school for a while Mm -hmm. um and so it's something that like it fascinates me but i just i feel like i have other things that i'm better at but in the same way there's so many other people that are so good you know with their hands and like making things with like wires and lights and like Mm -hmm. all this stuff. And I'm like, wow, like if I can only, you know, write a book that will make you want to, you know, make this robot or make this thing that will do your laundry. Mm -hmm. Like that's, you know, that to me is my purpose. And, and I think it just drives everything that I do.
1: Mm -hmm. And I think that's super important because People don't know what's possible unless they've seen someone do some do it, someone that looks similar to them. Um, and like for example, for myself, I didn't know that I could make blogging and writing my career until I actually read some blogs and learned that these people are making six figures off of their blogs, um, or that you could travel somewhere and actually live cheaply and live better. Than if I was like if I stayed here in Toronto, Um, I wouldn't know that if I didn't listen or hear or read about these people who are doing exactly that. So I think you're doing very important work um, with (laughs) like telling inspiring stories um, because people need to be inspired. Like people don't know what they're missing until like it's actually like shown to them.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think I think. you said it so well. Um, you know, just kind of living by example. There's, there's like, the, there, there's this quote which I am paraphrasing because whatever. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> there's this quote where uh, it's if you, if you want, if you want somebody to change in your life, then lead by example. Mm. So you can't make someone change by just telling them, "Hey, you're doing this thing," which. I don't like (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's it's and and I've seen it work with my own eyes where you know if I want to see um less uh, less material objects in my life then I start having less material objects and then the people around me generally start to have less materials that's just like an example right so it's something that just kind of it just works Mm -hmm. and I think that if you want to, for example, like if you're dealing with someone who maybe is going through depression or something like that, the best thing that you can do is to continue to be happy. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: that's kind of like, that's, you know, it's one of the hardest things to, to, um, to lead by example. Right. Because As humans, we kind of have this tendency to want to relate to other people, Mm. and that can go either way. And um, obviously, like, if you have someone who is around you who is sad, you don't necessarily want to start to get sad, too. That Mm -hmm. would not be a good route to go down. Um, So if you continue to be happy and try to be happy, then you will kind of manifest that, that kind of thing for that person as well. It's, it's, it's very interesting. I mean, that's, isn't that essentially like how we started before we could even communicate with each other before we could talk to each other? You know, like, if I found, you know, some berries that killed my Uncle Tom. Yeah, like,
1: all I have to uh, do is like, just send an just emoji. Like,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just send like the cross emoji, <laughs> the skeleton. And then like, you know, right. So I think, I think there's definitely something about emotion and just like feeling it. Mm-hmm. Um, just like in the same way, you know, when I watch stuff, I get inspired. And um, and I definitely, like I learn from the stuff that I read and I watch. And hopefully I can continue to create content um, and tell stories that will do the same to other people.
1: Mm-hmm. So tell me about kind of the day when you realized that that was the mission you have for yourself that you wanted to tell stories that inspire people like how did you get to that point
0: it was a long and winding road Mm -hmm. and i'm not going to sing it that song because it's copywritten
1: (laughs) (laughs) i mean you can do whatever you want
0: (laughs) but there is a uh i it's it did take a long time to get to that point and there was a lot of back and forth in my life between, you know, the dark ages and the renaissance, mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, so to speak. Um, and, you know, for anybody who's listening, it might sound like, ooh, look at her. She's got like the perfect life. She yeah. <laughs> grew up in like a household that supported her artistry. And then she just went and like she just started producing because it fell in her lap. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, like I make it sound easy because why not? Right. <laughs> but uh, our highlight but, reels. Other, yeah, exactly. It's like a highlight reel. There's, it's like it's impossible to to really get into, you know, into the depth, or else, or else we'd have like a five
1: hour podcast on our hands.
0: <laughs> Nobody's gonna listen to that. But um, I don't know.
1: Maybe you will. But
0: I don't uh, know. well, Gary is, V came
1: out with like an eight hour vlog the other day.
0: I uh, he did. He did eight hours. Yeah. I don't have time for that. Ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> uh, sorry, Gary, uh, but there is a, um, you know, there is something to say for the fact that I've had, a, I've had so many struggles, and I've had to make so many sacrifices, mm-hmm. and I've had some really, 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 really dark moments in my life, and I've. And I feel like coming up with my purpose was a side effect to that. Mm -hmm. It was, I had been through so much in my life that I needed to realign what success meant to me. Mm. And in doing so, I really, I really focused on what really mattered to me the most. And I came up with, you know, I came up with a mission for myself and a purpose. Mm -hmm. And,
1: yeah. Um, So if you could pick, let's say, like the turning point, um, it doesn't have to be rock bottom, but maybe if it is, um, the turning point that allowed you to kind of realize that this was what you wanted to do.
0: That's kind of hard to say because turning point, I guess there were so many, you know, Mm -hmm. it's kind of like, it's just, it's just life, right? There's so many ups and downs and curves and forks in the road and spoons and all that stuff. It's just kind of, there's, I can't really say like, you know, it was on June 5th, of 1965.
1: <laughs> I don't think either of, of us morning, were born.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's when I realized I had to change my life. Um, <laughs> no, it was like, it, you know, I mean, for some people, it is like that. It's like, oh, I was in a car crash and I almost died. And, you know, that's when I realized mm-hmm. such and such. But that wasn't the case for me. It was, uh, and I think that's, I think this is, I think this is the case for most people is it doesn't just happen with, like, a life-or-death situation. It's mm-hmm. it's kind of a uh, a process of, hey, there's a lot of, like, there's a lot of, like, bad things that are happening. Like, maybe you should reassess. Or, mm-hmm. you know, things aren't really going the way that you planned. Maybe think about doing it a different way. And it's – I feel like there there wasn't really, like, a specific turning point. It was more mm-hmm. so – um, like I said, like I went through a lot of dark, dark, dark,
1: dark <laughs>
0: periods in my life. And I think it was deciding what would make me happy mm-hmm. and not letting something external be the deciding factor for that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what was my turning point was having enough of that. Mm-hmm. like. No more,
1: no more crying. Yeah. Like it's, it's, I love your answer because it's like when you're pouring water into a bucket, there's going to be that last drop that makes everything overflow. But it's like, it's not just that one last drop that caused it, but it was like accumulation of all the, like all the buckets of water you poured into it beforehand. And then eventually
0: and sometimes sometimes there's still more drops of water even after it's overflowed and you just you don't know you don't know how to make it stop. Mm -hmm. And I think that's when, you know, when the lines when it gets dangerous and um, when you kind of lose yourself because it's especially when you're when you're in it, when you're in the thick of it, it's it's hard to kind of ski outside of yourself and see that things are wrong.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Especially when you want to be so right. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just, for me, I guess I was just fortunate enough to have a strong support system. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't, it's not a big support system, but it was, it's so strong that, you know, it counts for a thousand, thousand uh, men, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, there's so, For me, it's just, I don't, I didn't really feel alone, even when I felt alone. Mm. And I think it was just easy for me to make that switch after having to, after having to
1: try to make that switch Mm. multiple times. Got it. So could you kind of walk me through what happens after you realize your mission? Like, what were some decisions that you made or sacrifices that you made because that was your mission now something that you wouldn't have done before you kind of figure that out sure i think the the
0: thing that i would say to that is there's a point where you realize what your mission is and because you are so set on making that your mission anything that comes in to try to interfere with that is immediately blocked out. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: So kind of reeling back to your original question about confidence, I feel like that's something that really plays into it as well Mm -hmm. because I know – the kind of people that I want to surround myself with. I Mm -hmm. know what I want my life to look like. And I know the kinds of things that make me happy. So for me, that's, I having anything else that would, that would disrupt that um, is a distraction. Mm -hmm. So it's a matter of cutting that out. And, I guess that's one of the things that that's one of the things that I've done is deciding who to cut out of my life and who to mm-hmm. continue, um, you know, in my life, and being more strategic with the kinds of projects that I take on and what I do with my time, mm-hmm. uh, because if something doesn't align with my mission or my purpose, then why am I going to do it? If yeah, it's not entertaining, you know, <laughs> cause it's not all about work guys, mm-hmm. but <laughs>
1: uh, uh, that actually reminds me of a concept that I learned from um, Derek Sivers. Um, and he is, I think he started, I think it was called CD baby. It was a company very early in the internet. Um, and he has this concept called the hell. Yes. And it's like, he doesn't, say yes to an opportunity if it's just a an okay okay i think i want to do it but it's more of like a hell yes that's the only time he says yes otherwise it's a no um could you describe the conversation when you had to say like you had to cut off someone or tell them that you can hang out with them anymore um because for some reason it doesn't fall in line with like what makes you happy could you describe that conversation
0: sure that's you know that's never really like a conversation that anybody really wants to have and it's not it's not really one that I would suggest people to have either so I don't necessarily it's you know it's kind of it's a lot of people will probably listen to this and be like wow she's such a jerk but (laughs) the truth is that I've calculated that maybe I have I don't know 80 years at best Mm -hmm. left in my life and of that time how much of it am I going to spend sleeping?
1: A lot. Most of it. A
0: lot. And how much of that am I going to spend maybe watching a movie or watching a TV show or reading a book? That's like a whole other chunk. That's You know, it's like how much time am I actually left with – that allows me to interact with people. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And it's not a lot of time. There is not a lot of time to do that. And – I guess for me, I just want to make sure that that time is spent wisely and that it's spent with, uh, you know, people who are at a level that I can communicate with and who are people who allow me to grow as a person, Mm -hmm. people who inspire me and people who make me into a better person. Mm -hmm. And ultimately... I I to to go back and answer your question more properly uh there's not a conversation that happens it's it's kind of just making the decision to not have to hang out with that person mm-hmm. and it is kind of hard and it takes time to do um because we're not robots and Because sometimes some people do not take social cues. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of things that go into it. And for me, it's really just – I limit the amount of people that I talk to. Like I said earlier, like (laughs) – Uh, if if you hear from me like within you know the first day of texting me Mm. like you're probably top five (laughs) there's and that's not to say that anybody else is not worthy of being top five so you're
1: not gonna tell this tell your friends about the podcast right so they won't
0: no absolutely not i mean i don't know what were you thinking (laughs) there's It's like, it's, you know, I, I love people and I love, you know, learning about different people and talking to people and their cultures. And it's all very fascinating to me. People are very fascinating creatures, Mm -hmm. but they are also um, energy consumers. So Mm -hmm. just being around someone can consume so much energy from you without even, you know, having a conversation Mm -hmm. and you kind of have to just gauge, like, is this what I, do I want this? Like, what am I getting out of this, out of this energy that I'm like that I'm draining from myself? Mm -hmm. You know, am I, am I learning something? Is, am I being entertained? Do I love this person? Mm -hmm. Like what, why am I, why am I allowing this person to drain so much energy out of my life and my time? My time, the little time that I have on this earth, like what, why am I allowing you to do that? And I think going through that kind of assessment just makes it a little bit easier to, to get through this. And it's not like, it's not necessarily that, you know, I cut off people completely from my life. It's just, you know, they become, they become, you know, the type of person that maybe you call, Mm -hmm. you know, two times a year just to make sure that they're still alive. Right. (laughs) Right. Or just to see how they're doing and, you know, things like that, where it's like, you know, just because they're family, it doesn't mean that you have to, you know, tell them what you're up to every minute of the day. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like, there's, you, you kind of just have to, I guess I like to say that it's just being a little bit selfish, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but it's really just self-love. It's just taking the time to, to love yourself and give yourself what you need to grow as a person and and to make the most of your time here.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to shift gears a bit, but still kind of on that topic of people and having the right people in your life. So you have a Patreon page, right? Yes. And (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I was wondering, Patreon, when someone kind of supports you, that's bringing more people into your life. Um, Yes. And I know... A, quite a few content creators, where they hesitate to start a Patreon page because they're already doing their vlogs, they're doing videos and podcasts, and then they would have to do um, rewards and presents for their um, supporters. So, how did you make the decision of starting a Patreon page, and kind of give us a high level overview of how you manage that? So, my Patreon page, I
0: started it as soon as I started this channel. So because I started this channel with the idea of it becoming a brand and a business, mm-hmm. um, there was no question for me. It was just a matter of like, hey, doing it and then letting people come on board whenever they wanted to.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I had patrons within like a few months of having started this this particular channel, mm-hmm. um, the Red Romina one. Mm-hmm. And... So for me, it wasn't really a question of, you know, like I'm already doing like this and that and this. It was more, uh, is this another possible revenue stream for me? Mm-hmm. Is this another way for me to expand my community and to reach my goal of spreading that mission of inspiring people? And it just kind of fit all of all of the check boxes mm-hmm. and as far as like the rewards and stuff, I think, I mean, I've, I've gone through different rewards myself and I've changed up my page so many times because Mm -hmm. sometimes it doesn't fit. Sometimes, uh, you know, the audience doesn't want what you are offering. Mm -hmm. And there's also, uh, there's also, you know, the fact that some people just want to contribute just because they want to contribute. Mm -hmm. And, it's they don't really expect a reward in return. Mm-hmm. And so I don't really feel like this pressure to, you know, over deliver. It's more if you want more from me, let me know. Because mm-hmm. I've been through that route where I felt like, oh, I'm not I'm not doing enough. Like, I'm not you know, I'm not. But the only person who was complaining about that. Was me. <laughs> nobody else on my. Pa- I had so many patrons. Nobody else was like, "Hey, you're not like delivering. Like, what is like, what's going? You know, like, Interesting. no. I, it was that was my monologue, and because of that, I decided to change things around and just make it a place where I could have. I, I, the idea behind my Patreon, which I don't know. On To be honest, I don't know how long I will have that um, up because my idea with Patreon is to create um, a community and some kind of like a mastermind mm-hmm. and a, a way for me to mentor other people who would potentially like to do the same things that I do or would just like guidance uh, as far as like business and filmmaking and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, for right now, Patreon is a platform that allows me to do that easily without me having to worry about the logistics of any of it. Mm-hmm. So why not, right? Um, but at the end of the day, I do my best work to deliver the rewards that I have, which I've made them sustainable rewards for what I can offer. Mm-hmm. So I think that's partly you know, where a lot of creators go – uh, a raise, like they're, you know, they want to offer the world yeah. for a five dollar tier, mm-hmm. where it's, you know, is that really realistic? Is that something that's sustainable? Can you hold that? Can you can you uh, hold that for at least three months? Is it possible for you to do that consistently for three months? Mm-hmm. And I realized for some of the rewards that I have had in the past, like that was not something that was possible for me to do. Mm -hmm. every single month for so many patrons. Mm -hmm. So I've changed things up, made it a lot more simpler and made it more about the community so that if they ever feel like I am not delivering, they need to feel comfortable that they can trust in that they can just tell me that Mm -hmm. I'm not delivering or that they would like to see more of X, Y, Z. Um, So that it's not all
1: on me all of the time. Mm -hmm. So with the same track of kind of monetization um, as a content creator, could you tell us more about um, the online courses and the goals that you kind of have going into 2019 and how those tie into like kind of your mission? So monetization, the big, the
0: million dollar question, right? Yeah.
1: Teach us how to make Uh, money.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, this is all about community. So if any of you listeners have, you know, (laughs) any easy tracks, let us know. Um, But speaking of easy tracks, there is no easy answer for this. Mm -hmm. It really depends on what the creator is doing and essentially what the creator's mission is. So for myself, I'm setting up online courses this year. It's something that's so different and that it's you know it's uncharted waters like i've never had to do anything like this before Mm -hmm. and it's pretty related to kind of running a youtube channel like and especially because i have a film background like it's easy to you know i can set up the camera and like you know stand in front of it Mm -hmm. and be like well today blah 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 but Like, I don't want to sound like that teacher from Ferris Bueller's Day Off, you know? It's like, I still have to be entertaining, but then at the same time, it's not about the entertainment. It's about, you know, teaching the information. So that's Mm. kind of hard for me, too, because, like, I like to make people laugh. And I'm not, you know, I'm not, like, sitting up there with, like, a little stick in my hand and, like, tapping on the blackboard, you know? It's like, I, I, I like to have fun. So it's, like, trying to find, like, this medium and... And then on top of that, like, you know, you have to make outlines and like all this stuff. And mm-hmm. it's it's so much work. Um, but I'm hoping that it will bring value to people and that people will be able to grow as people from it
1: mm-hmm.
0: and that, you know, that they'll be able to be more productive and that their businesses will flourish. So it's kind of like I'm doing it for the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. And I think that kind of – helps me to motivate me to work on this kind of monetization strategy. Um, so we'll see. So the thing about monetization on the internet anyway is that, you know, people often ask me, like, how are you making all your money? And I'm like, I don't – like, I have so many videos. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I literally have – like, I within a time span of a month, like, I've come out with two videos that say – this is how I make money. On- <laughs> I'll link to that in the show notes. <laughs> I've detailed it, and and still people are just like, "Oh, I'm confused," and I'm and I'm like, <laughs> I mean, I don't know what to tell you. There's so many ways to make money on the internet, and it's really up to you. Like what what can you do? Because I I make websites sometimes for clients. Mm. And it's something that I like to do, but it's not really something that I focus on a lot. And I'm also not a developer. So I don't I don't code and I do an, I don't do stuff like that. Um so but if if you are someone who is able to absorb that information and can code, like you will make so much money. You don't on need the a YouTube internet. channel
1: for that. You
0: just yeah.
1: find clients.
0: D- exactly. So it's like so it really is. De- it depends on like what you can do. Like, are you an artist? Can you paint? Are you a really good artist? Can you paint portraits? Are you able to do commission portraits for people's dogs? Mm-hmm. You know how much people pay to like for people to pay to paint portraits <laughs> of their dogs? Like, it's I do know that. No, it's ridiculous. Like, you know, if you do any kind of business that caters towards dog owners like forget it you're rich like three months in it's over
1: so that's a free tip from um this podcast if you guys (laughs) yeah want to make money on the internet
0: yeah start selling like dog clothes or something i don't know um but the point is that you just i like to so what i like to tell people is to focus on finding something that you're passionate about because If you are going to try to do this whole internet thing, it's you're basically doing it by yourself for a lot of it. You know, it's very nice if you can have a secretary and, you know, like a virtual assistant (laughs) and like all this stuff. Funny that
1: you mentioned secretary again. I know. It's just like it's it's
0: rooted in it's in my blood. It's the inside Um, joke for this podcast (laughs) now. But there's there's so much of it that you have to do by yourself and it and it gets a little bit lonely and if you don't and if you aren't doing something that you love to do and that you're passionate about and that you're really fascinated about then you're going to get burnt out so quick mm. so you can't do something that's you know that you're that somebody else is interested in you have to mm-hmm. do something that you love to do and You know, within that, I I try to find the things that I love to do and how those things can generate income for me. Mm -hmm. Um, But of course, what works for me is not going to work for you. Is not going to work for them. And it's you know, it's also catered towards the individual now, Mm -hmm. especially on the internet. It's like you can just be your own brand, your own entity, and make money off
1: of that. Mm -hmm. I think the breadth of opportunities that we have plus the influencers online that focus on just like specific opportunities. That's what makes it hard for people to figure out what they have to do. Um, because on one hand you have all these opportunities and there's these people who are telling you that like, Oh, th- their opportunity is the one for them. And then you start believing that that's your interest and that's your passion. Um, like for example, last year I was so set on becoming like a YouTube star and having a hundred K subscribers. But I realized that I didn't even know what I wanted in a YouTube video. Um, vo- I'd only been watching YouTube videos for a couple of years because, like, s- like I just thought it was like a waste of time um, to watch <laughs> videos. But, but um, I've been listening to podcasts for almost ten years now, even before it was like popular. Um, and now, when I'm st- I'm starting up this podcast, it's like it's so easy for me to know how to edit like a track. Because I know where everything goes, and I know what it want what like I know how it want how I want it to sound like um but that was through a lot of like trial and error it's like I did things that other people said I should do, and then had to be honest with myself that no, I don't want to do that um and with kind of that like that's a really long like pre preface to the question like how did you figure out that for like 2019 one of the things you mentioned was um you wanted to have 100 subscribers and then also make like 100k off of your business and your brand like what was the process that got you there
0: I think it was
1: me <clears throat> I will not cut you, that out you can you can edit that <laughs> it's part of the process document
0: it is part of the process that's me drinking tea um, which I do all day every day. Mm-hmm. but uh, the question was <laughs> about what was the question?
1: <laughs> so you have um your hundred k goal, um, and people can check out the videos to those later, oh, right. yeah, okay.
0: So my one hundred k goal is my crazy, ambitious goal. And the reason that that came about is because. It's kind of like a me going all in. Mm. It's I you know, there's there's so much of there's so much of business and YouTube and filmmaking that's calculated, believe it or not. That's so there's so much of it that's so like strategic and it's it's you know, whether whether you're thinking about the marketing or you're thinking about like the story arc like what you know ev- like there's this formula right and <clears throat> i feel like it's easy to kind of feel uh fall into that trap of well i'm doing like the whole formula thing so um eventually like everything's going to align and everything's going to go my way because i'm doing everything right
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, but um <clears throat> I think for this year, it's all about taking risks and it's about diving into the deep end. And it's not only for myself, but it's also uh, like as a learning process. It's also a learning process for me Mm -hmm. to be able to teach other people to dive into the deep end because – it, it, you know, there's a lot of talk from people in like this, you know, the hustle called the hustle culture, hustle culture where it's like, yeah. Oh, you just got to jump in. You just got to do it. You just got, you know, just like Nike would say, right. Just mm-hmm. do it. Right. But that doesn't, that doesn't, you know, that doesn't always work. It's like you, like when you wanted to do like the YouTube thing and you're just like, um, oh, just, but then you realize that you didn't really know what you were going to do. I didn't do. like it either. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so there's like, you know, there's, there is a certain strategy to it. And I love strategy, like strategy. I, I love like analyzing and I love, you know, when things work, when they're supposed to, you know, mm-hmm. I love one plus one equals two. Right. Yeah. But that, you know, but life has so many great areas mm-hmm. and so does creation. And when you look at things like, you know, when you look at anomalies, like, like Joanna Cedia. Who got three million subscribers mm-hmm. or one million subscribers in three months? Mm-hmm. Sorry, <laughs> inflating yeah. numbers. Um, that is that is an anomaly. But why did that happen? You know, what did she do right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes there just isn't an answer for that, or
1: like the creator themselves don't know why. Right?
0: Because because they weren't thinking about the formula or the strategy. They weren't thinking about. You know, how do I go into this? Um, how like let me do everything right, mm-hmm. and and I think sometimes you can shoot yourself in the foot when you do that, yeah. It's so as far as like the 100k, this is like I'm going in, I'm doing risks, I'm still under a strategy, but I'm also doing trying new things, and um, it's also a year for you know self development for myself to. To just try new things and you know, to put myself out there, to be a little bit more vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just something to see. It's an experiment. And it's an experiment to see what the results are, not just for myself, but for other people as well. Um, like we were saying before, you know, lead lead by example. Mm-hmm. And the hustle culture is, you know, it says, you know, just just jump in and just do it. But if you don't do it yourself, then who are you really talking to?
1: Yeah,: Awesome. And like, I just want to thank you so much for sharing all of that because like that kind of mindset, it's not the sexy thing that people talk about, um, like hustling all the time and not going to sleep that's like for like that's attractive for people, like on paper. Um, yeah and it's almost like me. a badge of honor
0: <laughs> yeah no my badge of honor is like is is how can I get to the point where I don't have to worry about money mm-hmm. and I can sleep for 12 to 14 hours a day yes
1: I agree <laughs> I actually do agree um
0: I mean that's really I go back and forth because like I have this, I would love it if I just couldn't go to sleep. Like if I didn't need sleep, you know, that would be amazing. <laughs> like if humans just don't ever need to sleep, like we can just, you know, plug like we can like stick our finger somewhere and just like recharge. Like, in like a Tesla. Minutes. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like that, that is like, that is next level. That is, you know, that is us when we fully evolved. That's our true form. But the... Or our final form, I should say, <laughs> um, but uh, but at the same time since uh we aren't at that level yet um like elon musk hasn't developed that yet i'm saying elon musk like mm-hmm. maybe 10 times in this podcast so that maybe it can like i <laughs> yeah, don't know maybe help some, with the like, SEO, SEO yeah. thing. i don't know something thank like you that. thank you i appreciate that <laughs> i'm i'm hoping that you know elon musk will at some point you know invent something so that we can get to that point that next evolution for humans but since we aren't there yet um, I do need sleep, and I'm one of those people who actually does need eight hours of sleep.
1: Oh, same. Um,
0: yep. I can pretty much – I can get by with maybe six hours. Like six hours, I'm good, Um, but I'm pretty tired. Like last night, I actually did not have a full hour – I did not have like my full sleep because I've actually been – like my schedule has been – like completely destroyed. Um so I've been going to sleep very late, but because of that I've also been waking up later to like compensate for that, which mm-hmm. is fine. Because I've been, you know, I have my own schedule, but today I had like a lot of meetings, um, even before, you know, our call, Mm -hmm. like I had meetings and stuff like starting from early in the morning. So I had to wake up early, but because of like my schedule being whatever, like I just couldn't get to sleep last night. I was like laying in the dark (laughs) and I was just like, why is this happening to me? Like, why is this my life? And anyway... In the darkness of my room, like eventually I fell asleep, but it was like two o'clock in the morning. So I did not get my full eight hours of sleep. Um, But I do think that I think it depends like on the person, you know, and I think I definitely know people who can just who just cannot turn off. They just have so much energy Mm -hmm. and like it's like they just need like that adrenaline rush like 24 seven. These are the types of people who will go like cliff jumping. Like, Mm -hmm. and I know people like that, that it's just like, they just can't stop. It's like, it's just how they're wired. It's in their system. It's Mm -hmm. in their blood. And there's, but the truth is that not everybody is like that. Mm -hmm, Some people need to go a little bit slower. And I myself, I, I'm, I'm very ambitious, and I love to just, like, go, 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 mm-hmm. and I love for things to happen yesterday. Like, it's – for me, <laughs> it things just need to – they just need to flow, but I'm also very um, – I guess I would say, uh, like – Then, like, I like to relax and I love going to the spa and I love to meditate and I like to do yoga and I like to sleep sometimes. And sometimes I just like to watch movies like all day. Yeah. So for me, it's not like I, it's like an in between for me, you know? It's like I know I go, 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 go. But then at like a certain point in my day, I stop. Mm-hmm. and i just do nothing and i'm just like a potato like you know snorlax
1: yeah yeah like, yeah
0: that's me <laughs> yeah. um so basically i go from being pikachu to snorlax like within 24 hours that's like that's, that's a pretty that's big
1: jump s- but i understand
0: yeah i mean that's pretty much like how i am yeah just because that's how i am but you know some people aren't like that some people have to be slow like 24 7 yeah like they have to be
1: snorlax all the time but uh uh, an awake snorlax all the time
0: right an awake (laughs) yeah i mean let's not sleep like all the time that would be just like a waste of so much i know i I can't do that but
1: (laughs) i think i'm the same way though like um when i tell myself i'm off like i am off like there's no like. Sometimes my mom gets so upset at me at times because um in the evenings I just like my brain just doesn't function. Like I'm the dumbest person. I can't remember like to chop the onions and then like peel the garlic after. I can't hey, remember like
0: that. Totally. Listen, I went to the mall the other day and I got lost. <laughs> I my my parents my, my parents were buying jeans for my dad and I was like, hey guys, brb, I'm gonna go to the bathroom real quick. <laughs> 20 minutes later they called me and they're like where are you like where did you go and I was like I'm over here I don't know where I am right now like can you come help me like guys just for you guys who are listening I am an adult (laughs) I got lost at the mall um so it's and and we're talking to someone who's like traveled (laughs) I've traveled to so many different places by myself and like i'm totally capable of you know walking down the street like you know with my gear like i'm totally fine but somehow going to the mall is just an odyssey you need a gps
1: and a compass
0: (laughs) no i mean absolutely i don't understand why there aren't well anyway that's like reinventing the malls elon musk (laughs) (laughs)
1: so thank you so much this has been an amazing hour um so right now i'm going to be switching gears and head on to the last part of the interview which is rapid fire questions um oh boy and they don't have to be rapid fire answers um they're just okay yeah like
0: snorlax mode yeah snorlax mode for
1: sure Uh, (laughs) but not but awake snorlax (laughs) okay 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 um so first question so what's one thing could be a piece of media book podcast maybe a film that you recently forwarded or shared to a friend.
0: Ooh. Um
1: sure. So I actually just <laughs>
0: I actually just sent um an audiobook to a friend uh for Caves of Steel, which mm-hmm. is by Isaac Asimov and um this is i've re i'm rereading this book so <laughs> um so i don't know if that counts but <laughs> it does count um, but it literally happened like two days ago <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's perfect what a timely question <laughs> so what are your morning rituals what do the first 60 minutes of your day look like
0: well, it changes every once in a while. Like, you know, I don't like, to, so like I said, like the past week or so, my schedule has been different because I've, you know, been waking up later. Mm-hmm. I try to, I mean, I change things up so that I'm not always like on this robot schedule of like, this is the rest of my life, like 365 days of, you know, of the year, every year for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, So I change things up and sometimes what that will look like is I'll wake up. I'll wake up. I'll do meditation. I'll do exercise. And my meditation is 10 minutes. My exercise is 10 minutes. Uh, then after that, I will shower. Then I will make breakfast. And then I will get ready to start doing work, to start doing my day. So that's what that's what my schedule looked like before I ruined it like, last week. Um, <laughs> but sometimes, sometimes I'll go from doing that in the morning to doing that at night. Other times like my my morning will look like like if you watch I made a video recently which was a day in the life of a YouTuber mm-hmm. and that was in my schedule on that was actually um waking up uh and then doing work for 3 to 4 hours I think it was mm-hmm. and then doing breakfast. So as soon as I woke up I like pulled my laptop out from my nightstand and I would start working like mm-hmm. from bed for 3 or 4 hours. Um and that was like my morning for a really long time for like a couple months.
1: Yeah. Well, you got to get that deep work in. So, yeah. what <laughs> obsessions do you explore in the evenings or weekends?
0: Obsessions. Ooh la la.
1: Um, I guess well right now,
0: uh Star Trek <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I am watching the entire Star Trek franchise in chronological order I actually made a spreadsheet so that I don't fall off track um, <laughs> and so basically Type that's a. like my r- <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah. So basically, well, I also did it because I wanted to know exactly like how long it would take me to get through the entire thing. And so I don't have to do math. So I just did like formula and stuff. It's like about 24 days,
1: Mm -hmm. um, like 24
0: straight days, like not... Not like normal days, it's like like twenty four hour days like twenty four twenty four um that's how long it would take me to get through the entire uh franchise um but yeah, that's something that I do pretty much every evening um after I've worked for a long, productive day. I just kind of unwind and I'm like, whoop, I'm in star Trek universe now mm-hmm.
1: I mean that's a switch that we were talking about, the on and off switch. Yes, that's my snore likes mode. <laughs> <laughs> so, who is someone could be a mentor online person, um, maybe offline, whose work has most impacted your life?
0: Ooh. Uh, there's so many people. Uh wait, rapid fire. Um okay, Pikachu. Pikachu, um, got it. I guess uh <laughs> Yeah, Pikachu. Uh no, it I Wes Wes Anderson. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh Wes Anderson um yeah
1: (laughs) awesome Uh, (laughs) i can't think when
0: i'm i'm like i'm like wait what's happening
1: (laughs) that's fine so what's an achievement that you're most proud of in the last one to two months
0: i guess uh speaking at three six eight Mm -hmm. that was kind of something that just happened um and i'm really proud about that also working on my online course i created a strategy For the next three months. Well, for three months, starting from December. Now it's like a month. Mm -hmm. Um, And well, I don't know when this podcast comes out. Forget about my math. Um, (laughs) So I made a strategy for three months and I've actually been kind of on track with that.
1: So I'm really proud of that. Awesome. So what's something that you think everyone should do more of or at least try?
0: I think everyone should... Try to chill out more.
1: <laughs> I agree. <laughs> Breathe.
0: Yeah, uh, there's. You know, I've got a lot of friends who, um, who don't know how to meditate, and they see this as like something that's really you know out there and cr- like you have to be like a like a monk, you know, somewhere like mm-hmm. in the in the tops of like a mountain somewhere in order to meditate where it's really just like a concept where you could just be walking and you're technically meditating where you're just focusing on your breathing and just being present. And I think being present is something that a lot of people can can try more of uh, just in
1: general. Awesome. And so what? who is one person whose video interview or podcast you would 100% click on when you see it on your feed?
0: Um, Red Romina.
1: <laughs> i love that self-love
0: <laughs> um no i'm kidding i spend like so many hours editing my face the last thing that i want to see is my face <laughs> uh i guess my friends there's just so many you know i mainly just watch people who are my friends and those are the ones that i instantly click on and um that i like to that i like to watch i guess um i would say maybe one is tim Ferris. Mm-hmm. I listen to his well I listen to some of his podcasts because to be honest he like puts out like three-hour podcasts and ain't nobody got time for that.
1: <laughs> I drive but, a lot so I do.
0: <laughs> yeah well I don't drive so. <laughs> so I only listen to like you know a few minutes of that but yeah I guess that's one like you know when Tim Ferriss comes out with something I follow him on Facebook so mm-hmm. when he posts something I'll I'll look into it. He has like a lot of anecdotes and like Um, quotes and stuff that I find interesting. So
1: Mm
0: -hmm. I guess maybe he's
1: one. Awesome. Okay. And since this is the Creator Maker Life podcast, what's your favorite part about what you do and the life you lead?
0: The freedom to be able to work from anywhere and hang out with anyone at any given time. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. I agree with that. (laughs) So I just wanted to acknowledge you um, before we kind of wrap up the podcast, um, how focused you are um, and how you actually do what you say you will. Um, Like you have a plan and you follow it and you're on track and not a lot of people, including me, uh, can do that. I also want to acknowledge that the fact that you have the courage to say no, um, because I think that's something that me and a lot of people struggle with, especially with um, content creators who don't have as big of a following we feel like we have to say yes to everything because we might miss out um Mm -hmm. and just doing what you want like you just you're just so unashamed and like you just do it and it's so inspiring i'm sure anyone who listens to the podcast will like start going out going out and doing whatever it is they boys want to do but people just told them they couldn't do so i hope so Mm -hmm. yeah i want to acknowledge you for that you're pretty awesome person i'm so glad we did this interview Um, thank you so last thing how can people reach you to learn more about you and your work
0: sure real simple red romina all over the internet i have a website it's redromina.com or you can just you know stalk me on social media But don't actually stalk me. Just, you know, hit the follow button.
1: (laughs) Just uh, do what I did and just email her and message her and Instagram and everything. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Just tell me that you have a podcast and then I'll talk to you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thank you so much, Romina, for this time um, to tell us about your life. Tell us about your journey. Um, Yeah. And um, hope we can talk again soon. Thank you. And bye. Hey, friend. First of all, thank you for taking the time out to hang out with Romina and I on this podcast episode. And I hope you enjoyed it. If you learned some things, if you have any comments, suggestions, or violent reactions, I would love to know. And you can let me know on Twitter at Roxine Key. That's R-O-X-I-N-E-K-E-E. And the show notes for this episode will be on RoxineKey.com. Not going to spell it out again. And if you like this podcast, you'll definitely love my weekly newsletter, which you can sign up for on that website. Of course, I'll email you every week once a new app of the podcast is up, and I'll also email out long-form articles with notes and lessons from the books I read, because my day job is as a freelance writer, so I do come across a lot of really cool books, such as Great by Choice by Jim Collins and Mark Manson's book. I'm not going to... (laughs) <laughs> say the whole name. Anyway, uh, you'll also get my semi regular monthly and annual reports. Um, these document my progress as I build my business, make progress on my impossible list, a bucket list on steroids, and as I generally figure out how to live life better. And in the future, once I get all of this up and running, email subscribers will get exclusive access for subscriber meetups, secret AMAs. Ooh with my guests, special offers, and a lot of content, a lot of content that I just don't put out publicly on the blog. All of this, it's based on my personal experience, my own processes in the trenches, building a business and designing a life that I'm proud to have, um, just so you can save time and shortcut my mistakes. Once again, no woo-woo, fluff, clickbait, and listicles here, just big meaty articles with lessons from my life to help you improve yours. So, If you enjoy the stuff I dig into in this podcast and you want to keep connected, then I can pretty much guarantee that you will enjoy my blog and newsletter. Head over to RoxineKey.com forward slash podcast, drop in your email, and you'll get the very next one. And I hope you enjoy it. Peace out, fam.